Sci-Fi Fans is the official podcast of science fiction author W.A. Blinko. Before today's episode, I'd just like to mention how this podcast is made. Thank you so much for listening to that short advert. It really does help this podcast. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Sci-Fi Fans. I'm your host, Wayne. And I'd like to thank you for stopping by and listening to what I have to say about movies. I hope it's because, like me, you too also enjoy films, pop culture and trivia. So today's episode is about Jaws. Jaws set the standard for suspense films with a haunting film score. Shown on only 490 screens within 78 days, Jaws became the highest grossing film of all time, but even at its peak it was still shown in less than a thousand cinemas. But that didn't stop Jaws grossing $100 million in theatrical rentals at the US box office, and that is about 45% of the box office gross. It held the uh, record of highest grossing film of all time in the US until Star Wars was released in 1977. Jaws shows off um, Steven Spielberg's talents and set him on the path to a successful career in the industry. For those listeners that are unfamiliar with this film, here is a quick rundown of what it's all about. Released in 1975 and based on a novel by Peter Benchley, the film's about a man-eating great white shark that goes around attacking beachgoers at a summer resort town. This prompts the local police chief, Martin Brody, to hunt it down with the help of a marine biologist and a professional shark hunter. Jaws won three Oscars. They were for Best Sound, Best Film Editing and Best Music Original Dramatic Score. That one just makes me laugh. It's so long-winded. Top stars are Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, Richard Dreyfuss and Lorraine Gray. Coupled with that chilling music, special effects were top-notch for 1975. But according to director Steven Spielberg, when Chrissy's remains are discovered in the film, the the, uh, prop arm looked too fake for the scene. So what they did was they buried a female crew member in the sand with only her arm exposed. Jaws has one of the most popular one-liners, and this is where Roy Scheider says, You are going to need a bigger boat. This wasn't scripted and was ad-libbed. Incidentally, Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfuss genuinely did not get on with each other on set, and they would constantly argue. This helped, though, generate good tension between Hopper and Quint on screen. Originally, Steven Spielberg was not the director, Dick Richards started the project but was fired after a meeting with producers and studio executives. It was his um, style and ideas that were different to what the studio wanted. For example, Richards wanted to film a scene where the shark rises up from the water and you can see the town that the shark is terrorising. Richards also referred to the shark as a whale and studio executives fired him saying... They were not making Moby. They were not making Moby Dick, and they would not work with someone who could not tell the difference between a whale and a shark. And I think that's a fair comment myself. In total, there were three mechanical sharks, which, with each having a specific function, all of the mechanical sharks were christened Bruce. One Bruce was uh, open on the right side, and another Bruce was open on the left side. And there was a third Bruce, and this Bruce, this Bruce was fully skinned. Each um, Bruce cost approximately $250,000, which 
is pretty eye-watering for 1975. Spielberg um, made the shark, named the shark Bruce after his lawyer. Charlton Heston was considered for the role of Brody, and Steven Spielberg gave it some strong consideration. However, he felt that because of um, Heston's saving the day role in his film Airport and Earthquake, both released in 1974, Spielberg believed that the audience would know that the shark had no chance against the hero. Susan Backline had possibly the worst character to play, and I'm not saying that her acting or the character that she was playing was particularly bad, but as an actress, she had a bit of a rough time with it. So let me explain. To create the sound of her drowning, she was positioned head up in front of a microphone while water was poured above her and down her throat. So that sounds a little bit ominous to me. But not only that, she also had 300 pound weights attached to her legs that were then pulled by onshore crew members, with one half of them pulling her to the right and one half pulling her to the left. In total, it took three days for her to film her sequence. Another actor who was a little bit hard done by, and that was Robert Shaw. He was in trouble with the IRS, which is the American Tax Authority, and this was due to him working in countries such as Canada and Ireland. <clears throat> Um, he actually forfeited his salary to make amends for this, but his troubles didn't end there. Realising if he spent too much time in the US, he would face a liability of income tax, he would fly to Canada on his days off. Jules has an unsung hero amongst the cast, and this is Lynn Murphy. Now, you might be asking yourself, who is Lynn Murphy? There is a scene where Clint, Hopper and Brody are loading the orca, and there is a small grey shed with a red door, that can be seen to the left of Quint. This shed belonged to Lynn Murphy, who was in fact a local resident. When filming began, Lynn Murphy was initially frustrated with the film crew, as paint spray would quite often get onto his boats. But when he discovered what was going on, and the naivety of the crew about fishing and boating, he offered to assist. And it's said that his experience and equipment became invaluable to the film crew, and it said that without him, the film might never have been completed. Lynn became the role model for Robert Shaw to choose, and he based his character on Lynn Murphy's mannerism. Lynn Murphy was paid for his services, but he's never actually been credited for the support that he gave in making the film. And believe it or not, most of the film was shot using handheld cameras, and this was to counteract the ocean's swell. Also, Steven Spielberg shot roughly 25% of the film from the water level, and this was to provide the audience with the perspective as if they were treading water themselves. And I think that helps with the tension within the film, because you do kind of feel like you're there with that person in the water. Now, films will quite often have cameos of other actors, and Jaws is no exception, but it does have a unique cameo, and that is Brody's dog, who was actually Steven Spielberg's real dog called Elmer. Brody and Hopper mention a shark attack from 1916, and this was an actual event, and uh, in 1916, a shark attacked in a similar style to that, to that that is being portrayed in Jaws, starting off with a swimmer and then a dog, followed by a boy and then the leg of a man just got washed ashore as well. Jaws was released during the summer and with over 67 million people in the US going to see the film in its initial release, this makes Jaws the first summer blockbuster. Composer John Williams won the Oscar for best score, which 
is no surprise really, as he is definitely one of the best film composers, if not the best film composer of all time. But when he went to collect his Academy Award at the 1976 Oscars, he was also conducting the live orchestra. So he had to return straight back to the uh, orchestra after collecting his award. The, um, the fictitious Amity Island was actually located at Martha's Vineyard, Massachusetts. And the main reason for this is for it to be used as the location is even at 12 miles out to sea, the depth of the ocean is approximately 30 feet. And this allowed Bruce, the mechanical shark, to function. Local residents were paid $64 to scream and run across the beach as extras. The production of Jaws went so far over schedule that its initial Christmas release in 1974 got pushed back to June the 20th, 1975. And at that time, summer releases were traditionally considered to be the worst time to release a film, as a lot of filmgoers would be on holiday and they would prefer to do outdoor activities. But Jaws was such a good film that even regular beachgoers would flock and go and see it. Author Peter Benchley has since stated that if he had known about the actual behaviour of sharks, he would never have written his book. Incidentally, he was also thrown off set after objecting to the climax of the film and wanted to bring in subplots involving romance and mafia intrigue, which were all rejected by the studio, fearing that this would just weigh the story down too much. And another example of how Jaws could have turned out very differently is um, what was intended with Bruce the model shark. He would just sink to the bottom of the ocean and needed a great deal of maintenance. Although um, Bruce was tested in a conventional water tank, once they got him into the sea the salt water affected the mechanicals making him pretty much unreliable and because of this unreliability Spielberg had no choice but to figure out how to tell the story without relying on the shark and he reasoned that it's what we don't see which is truly frightening and I think that's true because when you look at the old the classic horror films such as uh, the uh, House on Haunted Hill and other horror films of their time they rely more on the psychological aspect of what people fear to project the horror and that's quite a good um, trick and I feel that if something like that We've lost something like that in modern films because today's standard is all about shock value and the gore. It's kind of like in Alien, the actual xenomorph only has something like eight minutes of screen time and you don't get to see the xenomorph in its full appearance until pretty much the last couple of scenes. And this is similar to Jaws. I think, um, also this is where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Here, it's, uh, there is loads more trivia to discuss about Jaws if you'd like a part two, then do get in touch with me. Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening to me ramble on for the last 10 minutes or so. I really do appreciate your support. Please feel free to contact me. I've um, put a link in to a Discord channel in the description so you can contact me directly. I look forward to your comments and hearing what you have to say about Jaws. Take care of yourselves and until next week, Bye. Before I go, I'd just like to mention that I have a YouTube channel, Sci-Fi Fans, and TikTok channel, Sci-Fi Fans. I also have a website where you can find out about my latest projects and more about my books, and that's wayneblinko.com, W-A-Y-N-E-B-L-I-N-K-O.com. 
And uh, yeah, that's just where I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you very much for listening. And I look forward to seeing you on the other platforms. And um, yeah, take care of yourselves. Until next week. Bye. All information in this podcast episode is researched by myself, Wayne Blinko. I use various websites such as IMDb or official websites from actors, films or film studios. Thank you very much.